Yeah, baby, you know what time it is. Now let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal! While our HBCUs are mostly known for an academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Does he have it? Yes, he does! All right, y'all, greetings and salutations. Another episode of Fangs up here, and uh, got football going on on my left side here. So I'm like, oh, football, what's going on? What's going on? Um, but this is just some of these uh, recruits that we have that uh, know, we'll, we'll see if we can get one of these videos to show up for y'all. We'll see. Uh, but kind of quiet week in FAMU athletics, uh, primarily because we had a bye week for football. But you also had the tennis program. They had a little bit of something going on in outside of Atlanta, metropolitan Atlanta. I'll fix my chair. It loves the sink. Um, we also had the cross-country team. Had their first local event. Volleyball team, oof, back on the schneid. Uh, and, again, football was on a bye week. But I'm going to talk about five or six recruits. Y'all, y'all know I don't, I don't try to talk about recruiting too long because it's kind of boring if you're not looking at it. And then also, um, or again, Finally, we'll go inside the den presented by Cable Buster TV. Should a SWAC cancel summer and early fall day games? Um, this is not without any sort of. Mm, I'm, I'm searching for the word. There's an example for this. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. There's an example for this. And that is kind of where I came up with this premise. I was trying to avoid being one of those people that jumped on the Dion train of whatever he's talking about, trying to make it my point. Like, nah, I don't want to say like I'm a hater or anything. So a big shout out to HBCU Digital. This is home, HBCU Digital Network, the home of the Fangs Up podcast, as well as the home of Black Techies. Black Techies, Herb Seward, and those good people. Herb is the, is the host, but they give you a lot of great information about anything related to the blurred universe, uh, blurred black nerds, uh, but comic books, new cell phones, new things coming up in technology. And sometimes they even talk about a little bit about the, the, the news and how it may affect us in general. So if you're not watching them when they pop up there, they're on Facebook, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube, as well as they have their own website and they're on the HBCU digital app as well. Check him out. Uh, good people. Herb is a great guy. He also has an interest in basketball as well as band and some other things. Former member of the mighty Marching Hornets of Alabama State University. Thought I forgot Herb. Uh, also, shout out to our big sponsor, Cable Buster TV. Get local channels, live sports, and premium movies for $35 per month on up to three devices. It's a great deal to me. If you're like me, cable bill is around 100 bucks. That $35, ooh. It sounds real good, and it sounds nice. Uh, so we're going to start off by talking about tennis. Uh, the family tennis team went to the HBCU National Tournament. That was in College Park, Georgia. We finished in fifth place. So I think fifth out of ninth. So it's kind of – So, uh, but we had a couple players this game. Uh, Cable Busters singles player of the match, Claudia Samia. I may have butchered her name, but she made it to the quarterfinals, and that was pretty good, pretty good. And our Cable Busters double 
double player of the match. That's three players. Three players, like you can get those three devices. Look at that. Look at that. See what I did there? Um, so that goes to Genesis Whitlock and Reagan Harris. They actually made it to the finals. So good out there. Good on them for FAMU tennis. Uh, obviously, FAMU tennis is only women's tennis. We have dropped men's tennis since I left college. So, And the next match is the Bedford Cup. That's going to be down in Fort Myers. Around the end of the month, though, closer to the 30s. So you got you got a few weeks, I believe. I believe it's a few weeks. Could be wrong. Uh, but you got you got a little bit of time before that comes up. Now, cross country is gonna uh, they fared not as great, nine out of twelve, but better than last time. Uh the at the event in Jacksonville, the UNF event, we finished near the bottom. We finished near the bottom again, ninth out of twelve, but again, uh no track coach. So no, I'm not going to say anything about the AD or lack thereof this week. Uh, so again, they, they did, they did their thing, but they're going to hopefully work to get better. That was an NAIA pre-nationals and Thomas university is one of the schools. So Thomas university out of Thomasville, Georgia, but kind of hoping we, we, we get a little bit more out of that. Uh, I'm wanting a little more out of that uh, Friday though. They're going to be going to Florida Atlantic again. That's going to be later on in the month. And then, the volleyball program, oof, they took some lumps this weekend. I didn't even put up what they did because it was straight L's. Uh, today, I was hopeful, though. Today, the volleyball program, they were playing UAB. I ain't going to lie at the church. I was kind of nodding in church. And I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to check out. And yeah, I went to sleep. When I, when I went to sleep, we were winning. And I came back, we had lost. So, But we gave UAB a heck of a fight. And if you have not noticed, FAMU volleyball games are also on ESPN3. So check those out. I had a good buddy on Friday. He was like, uh, FAMU played South Alabama. We lost the game. But he, I went to his house, and he's like, hey, man, you you watching the FAMU volleyball game? I was like, to be honest with you, bro, I was out with some of my coworkers, and we were enjoying ourselves. And we, we watched the FAMU volleyball game. So, and he's not a FAMU one. So that is just kind of giving an example, hopefully, of some of the things we see on networks like HBCU Digital Network. Hopefully, you know, so I can get right and put some of their stuff on here. But also the uh, HBCU Go and other things that you're seeing there. So I want to take a quick break. We're going to jump into football, jump into football and talk about recruiting. I'm going to see if I can get one of these videos to pop up and we'll get it to work right because I keep seeing the same video and it, it looks pretty sharp, man. Not going to lie. Like, buddy's balling. All right, y'all. I'm going to take a pause for the calls. Face up. Yeah, baby, you know what time it is. Now, let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal. While our HBCUs are mostly known for an academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Dorothy Hammond. All right, y'all. We're back. We're back. We're back. I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'll just I'll post the uh, offers online so you can check out the offers. Uh, I don't want them to slow down the video quality too bad, but we got a bunch of offers. I'm just going to list like five or six. But in the past about two weeks, it was at 15 on Thursday. 
we're up to about 25. My family's offered about 25 students. And I mean, coach is active. Like this is the most active in recruiting family has been in my memory. I can never remember a time when family recruiting has been this, I want to say active. Active may be the word, but proactive is what I'm really thinking. Like a lot of times in recruiting family has been reactive. We'll offer the students, we'll offer students that we know good and well we're not going to get, or we'll wait to offer like a bunch of seniors, opposed to we're offering students that are juniors, sophomores, sometimes freshmen are getting offers. Like these students are getting offers really early. We already have two commitments, uh, Levante Somerset, and then we got another offer the other week. So, and Levante is going to be on campus at the Alabama A&M game. And these home games are huge. We need all persons uh, on campus as possible, as many, I said all, as many on, on campus as possible to support it because it's that time of year, y'all. It's that time where we got home games and this is where we can we can get some of these recruits because the atmosphere at Club Bragg is something else. And I may have to trademark that, Club Bragg. But Club Bragg is popping. And students like that atmosphere. They like, the, they like what they see when they look in the stands. They like the band and everything else that comes with it. But it's really a great atmosphere, especially when it's packed. And now with the new additions to the stadium, it's a lot easier to pack out Bragg because the capacity has gone down. Bragg, Bragg Memorial Stadium was about 25,500. Now we're closer to 21 or 22,000. Hopefully, hopefully for homecoming, we can get some temporary seating up because, ooh, that game's going to sell out. Like, that game might be a sellout plus, like, 25,000, 20,000 in the stadium, 25 maybe, and it's going to be another 20, 25 outside. So good opportunities. And I wouldn't reverse order. You know, I like alphabetical order, but we started in reverse order. Hilton Stubbs, 6'2", 186-pound safety from Oakleaf High School, Oakleaf Plantation, Florida. And you're continuing to see FAMU is not struggling as far as skill positions. We continue to offer Skill positions, both of our commitments are for skill positions, guys who play athlete as well as um, athlete as well as corner and safety normally. Most times an athlete plays both ways. Um, but in this case, we're seeing that the the trenches, they got some attention. Like they, They're getting some attention. Um, another athlete, though, that we got – is Amar Reynolds, Reynolds, almost said Reynolds, wow, 6'1", 175, 175-pound athlete from Westwood Academy down in Fort Pierce, Florida, 2024 prospect. And another guy, Jermaine Kinsler, 6'6", 240, Trinity Catholic, down in Ocala, down if you're in, if you're in Tallahassee, up if you're me. But uh, defensive end, defensive lineman, offensive tackle type cat. Uh, and so, again, I mentioned – Skill positions have never been a problem, but the trenches do get our attention. Another one, Carl Jenkins Jr. He's a, this guy's tall, 6'3", 165-pound running uh, receiver. I said running back. Wow. From St. Augustine, Florida, up there on the Gold uh, – I almost said Gulf Coast, Gold Coast. Up there on the First Coast. So First Coast, if you're not familiar, that's kind of what that area is called a lot of times. But he's up there in St. Augustine. Another one is Carl Lucen, 
190 pound 511 Atlantic High School in Delray Beach, Florida. And he has garnered the interest of Florida AM University, 2024 athlete. And last one I'm going to mention, and he's not the last one on the list, y'all. It's, it's a lot. Y'all know I try not to like just go on and on about the, the recruits because, I mean, some, you're not looking directly at them. Uh, but Mike Tude, 6'3, defensive end slash offensive tackle. He's from Roseville High School in Roseville, Michigan. So the fam, you again going up north to try to recruit some talent. Uh, he's a 240-pound 200, uh, athlete, 2025 prospect. So this week it was quiet on the football uh, field, not the pitch. Football pitch would be soccer. And that's good, though. Hopefully we were able to get a lot of things done. One of the things we were told the Bible could be used for would be for getting on getting the grades straight, but also recruiting. And true to Coach Simmons' word, Coach Tubless and the crew were out there throwing the offers out there. And it's a good level of talent. We're seeing two, three, sometimes four-star uh, prospects get offers from Florida a University. And we need that influx of talent because we're seeing what Jackson's doing over there. And that game that they played, it was competitive until halftime. But after halftime, that game got ugly and it got ugly fast. Like I remember I was talking texting one of my cousins, like, cuz, man, you may want to check out this game. It's getting decent. And then by the end of the game, it's like, yeah, they got beat. They got mollywhopped. So um got to definitely do some things. We 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 saw some differences in coverage. Uh that was the big takeaway I saw. Grambling ran a lot more man to man, and they challenged the receivers from Jackson a lot more than we did. We ran a lot of zone, and yeah, it didn't work. Uh, so that being stated though let's go inside the den this is presented by cable buster tv y'all make sure you support cable buster tv and my question is should the swack cancel summer day games now i get there's only so much limitation so much control they have over that but there's a sample set for this obviously the orange blossom classic we saw what happened with the marching 100 where the fire marshal effectively told them you can't sit anymore because there are too many people passing out we then saw this past weekend yesterday past weekend yesterday when grandma was playing jackson state that there were issues with water not just the city water issues but allegedly they ran out of water bottles we saw the post game message by coach prime where he's kind of i don't want to say chiding but he's saying that the Grambling fans did not do well as far as attendance-wise and other things. And the Grambling fans are like, yo, they took our water bottles at the door. They didn't let us bring our water in. So it, we we were having heat issues. And I'm going to propose the SWAC and a lot of Southern conferences should consider this in general. SWAC, Sunbelt, uh, ACC, SEC should all consider having a moratorium on hosting uh, early day games, midday games, during the early months. Now, okay, how is that done? That That's never been done. Nobody does that. Blasphemy lies. Don't let anybody tell you the truth. Uh, a lie. It's, it's uninformed. Because the Big Ten does this. In the, month, in the month of November, the Big Ten does not have night games. Go Google it. Research me. Check me. But there is, after Halloween, they do not host night games. Why? Because of the safety of the fans. What they were experiencing is fans were having to drive at nights, in the cold, 
and in snow and sometimes icy weather and they were having car accidents people were getting hurt sometimes getting injured maybe even killed and out of the safety and abundance of safety for those that were traveling to the games after halloween the big 10 does not have night games the swag and other southern conferences should consider doing the same in the early summer months and i'm not gonna lie to you i was in miami i didn't go to the game in tallahassee because because of weather concerns against uh uh, Albany State. I intend to be at the game uh, against Alabama A&M, but I was like, eh, it's supposed to be kind of crappy. Lightning is what I'm hearing. It turned into a beautiful day, but in Miami, it was challenging. It was, I was in the press suite, and I, granted, I had a backpack on. My bag is over there with all my stuff and all my gear in it, and by the time I walked to the stadium, I was hot. I was sweating. I was uncomfortable, and I think I brought water. I'm pretty sure I brought water bottles with me. Um, but still, like, once I sat in the press area, it was better. But I was drinking. I was hydrated. Like, I wasn't playing. And then post-game, getting onto the field, it was still rather warm. This is just an idea. This is – I haven't talked to Dr. McClellan or anybody. I, I, y'all know I ain't got that kind of pool. Not yet. But the SWAC, the SWAC and other conferences, especially in the southeastern United States, should consider – during the summer months, not having games that are before five o'clock. It's an idea. It's a thought. You are going to have some games that would be interfered with, especially in Florida. <laughs> I'm trying to like, but Florida, maybe parts of Georgia and uh, Mississippi, Alabama as well. That late night weather storm. We all know it rains, especially here in Florida, three o'clock, four o'clock. You can look at your watch. It's raining on schedule. But these Southern conferences should consider this because what you're going to do is you're going to limit the health risk because this is a health risk. I've, I've been at games where people are falling out in the stands. I've been at Bragg and you literally hear boom, boom, boom. And it's like, oh, somebody else and fell out. It's, it's got to be a consideration and something that you think about. Also considering temperatures are going up. Whether you believe in global warming or not, that's not my business. But it's getting hotter. It ain't getting cooler. I'll say that. And that being stated, these conferences have to do what's in the best interest of their fans, but also in the best interest of their patrons. Because guess what I'm not going to do if I'm just your average fan? Sit out in 100-degree heat. When I can watch the game on HBCU Go, I can watch the game on HBCU Digital, HBCU League Pass, ESPN, CBS, NBC. All of a sudden, I don't have to leave my house to watch a football game. You're trying to convince me, the consumer, to get in my car, to buy gas, food, a ticket, and potentially a hotel compared to not even rolling out of my bed, sitting up in my bed and searching through the channels. It's a competition. You're going to have to improve the amenities at the stadiums, obviously. Like stadium amenities have to improve. And we've seen that. That's not something that's not something that's just an HBCU problem. A lot of these things are not HBCU problems. Go do, do yourself a favor. And I saw uh, Josh Padilla's post on social media where he was at the Middle Tennessee State game. Not trying to out you, Josh, but do stuff like that. Go to somebody else's stadium and see what it looks like. I've been to UCF. That thing is an oven, especially for a day game. But they have nice concourses, large covered areas, different things like that, places where you can go. It's 
there are places where you can go to escape the heat. They also have their club experiences. You you see where if you go to Florida State, very similar. Goat can get very hot. It's not as bad as UF. I think UF is probably the worst as far as like heat and humidity, but and the concourses are very small at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. But they've done they're they're reducing stadium capacity. They're doing things to make the fan experience better because they don't need 90,000 seats. Because guess what? 90,000 people aren't showing up to their games. Now UCF is selling out their games, but at the same point, it's the largest school in the nation. They got 70,000 students. If half their student body shows up to a game, it's over a sellout, plus alumni. Again, largest school in the nation. You got different problems. You got first world problems. We're not first world. We're not a first world school right now when it comes to like student student size. FAMU's flirting with 10,000. And all these schools have housing problems. So miss me with that saying that's only an HBCU problem. No. So that being stated, though, I really think it is it behooves the Southwestern Athletic Conference, the SIAC, all of these schools that are in the southeastern United States to consider saying, hey, we don't play games before four or five o'clock. And granted, yes, the OBC kickoff was at right at five, I believe four o'clock. It was still hot as heck. I mean, it's Florida and it's South Florida. And we all saw what happened. Now, if you want to contend with that and you want to make some provisions, here's some workarounds. Provide additional water. Give each student a, hey, you got three water bottles. Maybe four, a water bottle per quarter, get them prehydrated, something like that. But I mean, yeah, that's going to be about a thousand water bottles plus for a band. But at the same point, you may not have some of the heat related issues that you had as far as the students being dehydrated and things like that. I mean, the heat is still going to be the heat. But in a stadium like the, I almost said the Orange Bowl, Hard Rock Stadium, position the bands in the shade. Like one of the things we pointed out, we were looking like, why are they sitting in direct sunlight? Move the bands so that they're in shaded areas. Also, do what we've seen bands do in the past. Come out there in your summer band camp clothes. Like we get it, it's hot, it's 100 degrees. Put your shorts and your t-shirts on, get it in, maybe second, maybe, you know, second quarter, y'all go in, do a wardrobe change. If you want to do that. But at a certain point, provisions have to be made to improve the experience, not just as a fan base, but as a whole, because you're not going to convince people to go to these games when it's so hot outside that it's uncomfortable, when they can sit in their house with AC, with cable television or cable buster television. Let's see what I did there. Three live sports. You can do this on cable busters. So you can watch your games on cable busters and from the comfort of your home and not have to worry or can convince anyone that, oh man, this is a a game that I have to be at. You don't. And it's not just HBCUs. It's it's not. The reduction in state in people attending football games is a nationwide issue. Google it. Very few schools are experiencing are not experiencing this. And so to not go directly at what coach was saying about the Grambling fans, we have to do something in order to provide a better opportunity. And the first step, in my opinion, 
and potentially improving the game atmosphere. It's just moving the times back. Move the times back because, yeah, in the South, it may be 80 degrees, 89, sometimes even in the 90s at night. But it's not as likely. And the sun's not out. And that makes a big difference when you're having to contend with not just the sun, but 90-degree weather on top of metal bleachers, which now makes it feel like it's 105, 110 degrees. We ain't built for that. So um, just my idea, though. So inside the den by Cable Buster, should the SWAC cancel summer day games? And maybe not the word shouldn't be cancel, but bar schools from playing before certain times in the summer? I think yes. And who's your model? The Big Ten. The Big Ten, after October 31st, they are not allowed to play night games. You'll notice even on any network that carries Big Ten games, the last game is normally like 3, sometimes 5 o'clock. Even the major games, Michigan, Michigan State, those games, it's a, it's a day game. That's why part of why they have the noon kickoff stuff at that time of the year. Maybe the SWAC should do the same thing. Once you get a SWAC network going, hopefully that happens. You get something where it's primetime SWAC football, maybe primetime SWAC football on HBCU Digital Network. I don't know. But all of a sudden, you can create a new niche and a new market because instead of telling people that, hey, we have these games at this time and we don't have them before that time, people are going to forget the rules. And you'll just say, hey, it's primetime SWAC football. And you can have, once Dion leaves Jackson State, you can have Dion as a commentator or whatever, or you can just have whomever. Charlie Neal, keep rolling him up out there, but have it and have it as a selling point where you're selling this as, hey, we're giving you SWAC football at prime time, and this is the game of the week. And from this time to this time, this is our games. And to be able to then utilize the multiple HBCU digital networks. See what I did there? But HBCU digital, HBCU go, all these networks, and have each one of them have a different game and have, hey, the sports bar be like, hey, all you got to do is have the app, Roku, whatever, and you can watch the game live. Like I, I'm thinking, and that's just part of me just kind of continuing with the idea, but I'm thinking that's that's a decent idea. Like it saves your fan base. And then for those who don't go, a night game looks really good. Like something about a HBCU halftime show at night, it pops, especially when the lights are right. So just an idea. Um, it is bye week. In the end of bye week, this week, family is going to play Alabama Agricultural and Mechanical University. The Bulldogs are going to come all the way from Rocket City, Huntsville, Alabama, down to Tallahassee. Fun fact, both Huntsville and Tallahassee, I believe they both have challenger centers. So this, both cities are interconnected in that way there. But quick recap, shout out to HBCU Digital Network, the Black Techies. Check them out. Cable Busters, y'all know this title sponsor of the things up podcast but the tennis team finished in fifth place i got another competition coming up hopefully they continue to get better ladies i'm looking i'm I'm pulling for you uh cross country eh, ninth out of 12 improvement from last time volleyball oh that was a tough loss against alabama um at birmingham university alabama at birmingham today we lost three sets to two and it came kind of concludes a losing streak got another game coming up real soon though so Looking for the ladies to pick it up on Friday against BCU conference opener, I believe. Hopefully, we get rid of those wascally Wildcats. And football, it's been recruiting nuts. Hopefully, check out the uh, FQ FAMU Twitter page and 
the Fangs Up podcast Twitter page because we're going to be dropping about uh, probably next hour. So we're going to drop about 10 of those offer letters, just saying like, not letters, offer notifications. I, I ain't offering nobody. I'm just I'm just relaying the, the information and making it look good. So, um, and my question was, should the SWAC consider not having summer day games or late fall, early fall day games? And the archetype for that is the Big Ten. The Big Ten does not have night games after Halloween. Again, Google it and you can check me on that. But I, I know I'm right, so that's why I'm petty. Um, but the, the SWAC should consider that, in my opinion. They should not have games that start before five o'clock during the late summer, early fall months, just to prevent things like heat exhaustion. And you get a better atmosphere. Football looks better under the lights. The Florida classic, the Southern heritage classic, all these classes look really good at night and under the lights. And especially when you're playing some of these classic games in places like Miami, where honestly that area right around the stadium, it ain't the worst, but it ain't the best. Uh, but as far as parking wise, it's it's really good. I'm thinking those kind of places, stadiums with those kind of areas, those are really good places to have night games. And the cities already have the infrastructure to be able to handle it. And the police presence, they know what they're doing. You let the city do what they do. You just have your classic game and call it a day. And for the home cities, again, kind of make it a night game and kind of keep it like it is. So that is the show for us today, y'all. Again, big shout out to Cable Busters. TV, three channels on one device for $35, live local sports, and HBCU Digital Network. As always, thank y'all, and it's going to always be fangs up. Yeah, baby, you know what time it is. Now let's get it started. Are you kidding me? Unreal. While our HBCUs are mostly known for an academic rigor, community, they also know how to turn up. Does he have it? Yes, he does!